Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. As if you would uh, turn with me, 1 John 2, and we're going to be reading 7 through 11. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. It says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Woo, audacity. We got a lot going on. Sheesh. Man, I hope you guys cleared your calendar. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Josh. Hank gave me a super awesome introduction earlier, so surprise, I'm it. If you guys weren't aware, if you haven't been on Facebook and you saw my pretty face that Lee made me look so good uh, in a digital platform, which is great. So, because that's how I look in real life, for sure. Thank you, dear. I love you too. So, uh, glad you guys are here. It's Father's Day. It's the day before summer. So, I mean, I can't think of a better way to kick off summer than a barbecue at the pool with your dad. So if you guys don't have that plan, you should make it. Um, So like I said, I'm one of the pastors slash janitor slash part-time kids worker, uh, guy who unlocks the doors, whatever you need. Man, I'm kind of it. I think I, uh, you know, like snaked a drain a month ago or so. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, wear a lot of hats, which we all kind of do here at Audacity. So super happy to see you guys. We're uh, talking about... We're going through the book, Becoming Human Again. I'm going to set this down here, though, because I don't have a ton of room. And uh, we're in chapter four today. And so what we're going through right now is is the chapter is called The Problem of Sin. It's a little bit of a heavy chapter, obviously. Uh, And we, we got such a great introduction from Ashley last week. She talked about how we were created in the image of God, who we are. Uh, how that creates in us a creativity that expresses itself in different ways, whether it's through art or through food or through different acts of serving. And so we got to see how different, how God made us each differently, but how each of us reflects his image. We'll get into more of that deeper today. However, because we are talking about the problem of sin, it is such a hard topic and it, it is heavy. Uh, it is the truth, and the truth can be hard. But I have good news, and the good news is this, is that Jesus redeems us with his grace. And so we are redeemed, and I just put that out there beforehand, because for, for me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's nice to know that when I'm going through something that can be so heavy, that can be so hard, that just weighs on you, it's good to know Jesus has paid the price, amen. Jesus is there for us. And so I'm so thankful. So once again, Ashley talked about how we started out in the garden, and the garden was good, and Adam and Eve were there, and they were naked in the garden, and I thought, man, that's awesome. I wish I could be naked with my wife in a garden. (laughs) 
And I guess some theologians say that they were clothed in light or whatever. But I like the other one better. So anyway, let's just use that as my starting point of where we are. So we're, everything's right with God, right? We're naked and unashamed. We're good. We're in the garden. Everything is great. And we get to that point where we're enjoying life. Everything is good. And we stare at that tree in the middle of the garden. And that tree looks good. And we end up with what is known as the fall. It's the first big, really the second big event, the first being creation, the second big event in, in the Bible where the whole world essentially has changed. And so that brings us uh, to our first point, which is sin and shadow. And uh, sin creates a shadow. It acts as something that kind of blocks the light between us and God. And as we sin, we continue to add layer after layer after layer after layer until before long we're dark and there's not much to see. And so if you're looking at me now, it's kind of hard to see me. Deanna put the lights on, thank you very much, so you can see me. But you see how that distorts your view of me and your view of your neighbor when she turns all the lights down and you're like, whoa, what's going on? That is distorted. That view is distorted and it creates a distortion in that relationship where we don't see each other clearly for who we are because of the sin that has come into our lives. The good news is that, as we have seen, a shadow can be dispelled by bright light. So that light comes on. 1 John 1 through 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. And so that light dispels that shadow. That blood of Jesus purifies us from sin. So I will tell you, spoiler alert, a little toward the end, hold on to that verse because we're going to get back to it, and we're going to get back to it a lot later. So I promise you I will get back to it, but it will be a little bit. And so we have that distortion in life. And you say, oh, that's great. I love your, your light illustration. You know, Deanna did a great job blocking you out. I think you look better with shadow on you, you know. And so maybe from where you guys sit, like that's an improvement. I don't know. But I'll say this. In, in real life, what that looks like is it looks like slowly breaking trust. And so if I go to my wife and I say, hey, babe, I love you. Uh, I got a long day at work today, but, you know, I'll be home. I should be home by 5. And I get home at 6, 6.30. And I say, well, you know, stuff came up. It happens, right? And I say, but tomorrow I'm going to get home at 5. You know, it's Tuesday, and I get home at 6.30 again. And then Wednesday, 6.30, and Thursday, 6.30, and Friday, 6.30. I keep making these promises, right, over and over and over again, and I keep breaking it. That trust gets broken. And then when I try to apply that same principle, hey, you can trust me. Uh, I'll go ahead and make sure I get the kids to practice on time or to school on time. The first thought that's going to come to our head is like, you can't even get yourself home on time. How are you going to get the kids anywhere? And so what happens is that relationship becomes fractured and broken. In the same way, those, that sin becomes fractured and broken, and it breaks our relationships not only with God but with each other, like I said. And so it's each layer, and it happens in small parts. So point one was sin and shadow. Point two is that small moves matter. So it starts out with a 
a small move, a small step. Eve saw the fruit in the middle of the garden, and it was beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with seeing beautiful fruit in the middle of a garden. And she's like, ah, oh, that's nice. Went on about her day. But then the serpent comes up and says, hey, Eve, you seen that fruit? What did, did God really say you can't eat it? And she goes, well, you must not eat of the fruit or you must not touch it. Well, that's Genesis 3.3, but in Genesis 2.17, God never said anything about touching the fruit. He just said, don't eat it. And so we create this doubt. We twist the words in our mind, right? And so those words become twisted. And, it, and it, it's a small step, small change, added a few words. Not a big deal. And I, I just want to point out real quick, temptation isn't a sin, right? So we're still in the temptation mode. But those small steps as you walk towards that temptation, as you walk towards it, that's what gets you in trouble, right? Because before too long, you end up touching the fruit, still okay, but then you end up eating the fruit, not okay. Small moves matter. Uh, I had a professor in college. His name was Dr. French, and he was uh, the dean of engineering at my uh, school, John Brown University. So if you're going to college, I recommend it. Uh, And he used this example... Uh, about sin. If I have a vat of sewage and I take a tablespoon of wine and I put it in there, what do I have? And if you're wondering, the answer is sewage. And if I take that same vat and it's empty and clean and I fill it with wine and I take a tablespoon of that sewage and I put it in that wine, what do I have? Sewage. It only takes a little bit to ruin the whole batch, and it breaks it. It ruins it. And what happens is we take something like a tree that has beautiful fruit or like an activity like a football game or taking a break and watching a little bit of TV, you know, maybe binging Netflix a little bit. And we take something that might be a good thing, and we make it a God thing. We take something... That's okay, and we elevate it to a position that's above God in the same way Eve elevated the desire in Adam. I mean, he was with her, don't get me wrong. As they elevated the desire for that fruit above the desire for a relationship with God. And so what we do is we elevate these things. And I can tell you, in my personal life, I'm doing, you know, you you look into your life and you're holding on to this thing, whatever this thing is. It may be different things. I don't know what yours is. But for me, and my thing was my family. And I said, well, I don't know if I want my family to do that. I don't know if I want my family to have to go through these things. And the last couple weeks have been challenging for me. But what God has shown me is that, and reminded me, he loves my family more than I do. They were a gift to me from him, amen? And so he loves them more than I do. He's like, look, Josh. You don't have to worry about this. I got it covered. And so what I know is I know that God loves me enough that he's going to protect something that I find valuable as long as I put him first. Right? God first. Matthew 7.13 says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. It's real easy to just kind of stroll on down one small step at a time through a nice broad gate. 
It takes a lot of effort and a lot of thought to work through the narrow one. It takes a lot of work. It's a lot harder. And as we like to say around here, hard isn't bad. So, we take those, that sin casts a shadow. And those small moves lead us down that road. And where we end up is we end up in a corrupted image, which is point three. So, we have the shadow. We have the small moves. And we end up into a place where we don't recognize our own image. We are created in the image of God. We are representatives of who he was. We lived in the garden. We were perfect. We were clothed in light, right? And then we end up in a place where we, it's so hard to even identify with him. And so, yeah, like I said, point three is the image corrupted. And so we end up to a point where not only is it hard physically to show his image, but it, his holiness that is supposed to reflect out of us as a part of our character. It's who he created us to be, right? It's becoming fully human again. It's having that full holiness of God. And we end up in a spot where we're unrecognizable. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's not a you thing or a me thing. It's definitely an us thing. And so we've all fallen short of that mark. And it ends up with a a corrupted image that just does not reflect who God is and we end up so far away that one day you know and it's, it's different for different people let me point that out but one day you end up at whatever your rock bottom is maybe your rock bottom's lying face down in the ditch maybe it's not knowing what day or month it is trying to find your next high Maybe you're at business, you're at business, and you're just trampling over whoever you can to get that next promotion. Maybe it's sacrificing your family for your job. One day you end up in a divorce court, and your kids don't want to have anything to do with you. Or maybe it's just taking out your phone, getting on the internet, saying, you know what, God, it's okay. It's okay, I'm just going to you know, look at porn for a few minutes. It's all right. It's not that big a deal. It's a little thing. It's a little thing. You know, I don't, I don't need to, to do what I promised, you know, so-and-so I said I would do. I don't have to do that. I can take a break. I deserve it. I'm owed it. And so it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be little things, but they're all teaspoons of sludge going in our wine, right? Little things matter. Small steps matter. And I thought about this a little bit. And I thought, there's been basically three people who have walked this earth who have been sinless at some point in their lives. So obviously everybody down in kids would know that the first one is Jesus, right? And so Jesus has walked a sinless life his whole life. The others was Adam and Eve, right? They got to be clothed in light. They got to live in the garden. They got to walk without sin. And they made that conscious choice to trade that in now, I don't know, I don't think they knew what was going to happen on the other side, right? There's the whole, well, I'll know what God knows. But they traded that in. And so that shadow fell over them. That small move to eat that fruit corrupted their image. And before long, they ended up in a place where they were in need of forgiveness. And so 
Point four is this, forgiveness requires sacrifice. So when they sinned, God saw them, and he came out and he asked questions. Hey, where are you guys? He knew what had happened. This wasn't a surprise to God. He knew before the beginning of the world that Christ would have to die for all our sins. So he came out and he looked for them. Why? Because he loved them. And because they had sinned, we see the first example of a blood sacrifice in the Bible. So they were there. They were now naked, for sure. There ain't no light left. They were sewing up fig leaves, and God said, Hey, I got you covered, and literally covered them in animal skins, the animals that he sacrificed so that their spilled blood would cover up for their sins. Hebrew 9.22 says this, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus took that punishment for us. Jesus put himself on the cross. Jesus voluntarily took that. It wasn't a sacrifice like with an animal where the animal doesn't have a choice. This was a sacrifice where somebody laid down their life. The Bible says, a man has no greater than this than he who lays down his life for his friends. Jesus calls us a friend. Jesus took that because he loved us that much. The result of such an act, right, is written about in Psalms. You say, whoa, Pastor Josh, Old Testament, huh? Yes, I'm going to go back a little bit. This is what's so great. The Old Testament and the New Testament, all written together, all ties together. The whole thing is all about Jesus. Psalms 103, verses 10 through 12 says this, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove his transgressions from us. And I love the allegory here, or the, uh, the metaphor and description of showing how far he separates the sin from us. East and west never meet, and that's pretty neat. But as high as the heavens are from the earth, and a concept so lofty we can't possibly understand it, a distance so vast we cannot get to it, a place so far away that only God can bring us there. That is how far away our sin is separated from us, amen? There is no way that it will cling to you. There is nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. God chases after you. He comes after you. He has separated our sins for those who chose to believe in him. Jesus is our example of what it means to be fully human. He walked the earth. He showed us what it's like to live in a broken world. I said before Adam and Eve were perfect in a perfect world, Jesus was perfect in a broken world. And that is our model. We live in a broken world, but we have the Spirit of God that lives inside us, the Holy Spirit that helps bring about change, love, grace to our neighbor. Jesus is what it means to be fully human. 
And so we live in a world where sin has cast a shadow over our world, distorted our image of God. But like I said, there's good news. Jesus has taken the punishment. His grace is sufficient to save us. Jesus was our sacrifice, and he is the one that provided the forgiveness from that sacrifice. The Holy Spirit restores our corrupted image. Our image that was corrupted is no longer corrupted, it's restored. Those small moves that took us away from God, those small moves can move us back to God, one thing at a time. Maybe it's something small. Crack your Bible open in the morning. Read a few chapters. Pray. Maybe it's something a little bit bigger. Maybe it's fasting a meal, two meals, or a day's worth of meals. I don't know. Take those small steps back towards God. And finally, that shadow is cast aside by the light of Christ. He shines his light on us and no longer are we residing in a distorted, shadowy world where we can't see clearly, we can't understand what's going on, and our image is vague and fuzzy. No, we live in a world now where the light of Christ shines through us and we dispel the shadow as we walk through this life. And so I would invite you today, if you're tired of living a life that is substandard, a life that does not have the fullness you seek, if you're desiring to find that grace that only Jesus can provide, I would ask today that you look in your heart and say, hey, Josh, I'd love to have that relationship. I'd love to be in a place where God is chasing after me, where I can have a full relationship with him, where I can live in the light and not be in the dark, where I can experience that grace and where I can be in a place where I am loved and ready to love others, then I would ask that today that you just reach out to Jesus, say words like this. I don't have to be these same ones, but Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I ask that you come into my life, that you make me new, that you make me whole. Restore me to who I was meant to be so that I can become fully human again. Amen. And if you have been saved just now or yesterday or last week or last month or a year ago or two years ago, then I would ask you this. Quit fighting God. Quit holding on to the one thing you need to give up. James says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. We'll do that in a minute. I can't wait for it. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So I'm going to ask you today, if you want to be healed, if there's something that you need, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand today. 
It takes a step of faith. But if there's a change in your life that you need, if there's something you need, I want you to ask God for it today. Reach out and say, Jesus, please, I'm reaching out to you. If you would like, I'd be happy to. Hank would be happy to. We'll come around and we'll pray for you. And if you want to wait, we can do it during the song. But I want you to be brave, to trust God for his holiness, to reach out for that healing and that grace in your life. And finally, I had told you before, as we enter into a time of communion, that I would get back to 1 John. So 1 John 1, 5 through 10 says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of, his Jesus, of Jesus, which is represented by these cups, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So once again, his blood cleanses us from unrighteousness. So let me go ahead, as we enter into a time of communion, I'll go ahead and pray over the communion. Uh, There'll be people on either side to pray for you guys. And if you need prayer, please come find me. I'd be happy to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to worship you together. Lord, we thank you for the cups, the bread that represents your broken body, the juice that represents the blood that you spilled that washes us clean from sin. Jesus, we pray today, Lord, that lives would be changed, that you would wash us clean. To your name be the glory. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.